0: Please.
1: Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also, become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. come to, you know, finally make that connection with, with George and P-Funk where he became part of it?
0: Okay, well, what happened with that was I had been at United Sound recording studio most of the whole day working on dramatic, uh, a dramatic album. And so then I gathered up all my instruments to go home for the course of the day. And that was about eight o'clock that night. And then I get a call when I get to the house, because back then there was no cell phones, no none of that. So you would have to get the call at home or whatever. Uh, and Ron Banks of the dramatics called me. And this was like in 19, maybe 77, at the end of the year, uh, he called me and uh, and told me, he said, man, uh, Butch, I'm here, still at United, and Bootsy said he needs some percussion on a couple of songs, so I told Ron, I said, Ron, I'm not coming back to the studio, because all of my gear, um, when I got it home, and unloading the car, and going about 20 trips down to the basement, you know, to take all the gear out and everything. And, and I had been at United since maybe about noon that day and doing maybe who knows, three four recordings already. And so he said, he said, Butch come on man, you gotta come back. He said, I told Butchie we, you know, I told Bootsy we got the best percussionist in the city. You gotta come, you know? And I said, I, I know who Bootsy is. I said, but I said, man, Ron, I am tired. So he talked me into it, Ronnie did. And Ron, and I told him, I said, okay, I'm coming back to the studio. So I came back to the studio and uh, then I uh, met Bootsy and he had a couple of songs he wanted me to do. And uh, so I set up gear and did those songs. And later on that night, I think we were done about midnight He was asking me, he said, you're going to be part of Rubber Band, you know, so. Like that? I said, said, well, you know, I thought about it because at that point it was time for me to become an artist, you know, as far as doing all the studio work and everything. And and, And then Bootsy and Parliament and all of them, I was definitely into what they were doing. So Ron had left. United. And the next day I told him, I said, uh, Bootsy had asked me to, you know, to come and go out with rubber band. He said, see, I get you a session. Now you're going to leave us. (laughs) But I said, no, I'll be able to do you both. You know, I'll be able to do both. So that's how I got my introduction into the parliament funkadelic family. Do you
1: you remember what tracks those were that you got called in for?
0: Uh, You know, it was, wow. Because I didn't do so much stuff, man. I got to look back. Uh,
1: Well, it's probably his second or even third album.
0: Well, I didn't do the stretching out or the uh, uh, auto name.
1: So it was player of the year.
0: Or or, or player of the year. Uh, We started working on stuff that it was going to come out After that, maybe this boot is made for Funkin' and and things of that nature, you know. Okay. So then I wind up just becoming part of the Parliament Funkadelic family and doing more touring with them. And when I was home off tour, I would be in the studio still uh, doing session work with everybody in Detroit, you know.
1: Had you met Bootsy before that?
0: No, I hadn't. And I, I forgot to talk about one other time that I, I had an encounter with them. I went to a concert, I think it was in 77 at Olympia Stadium when they had the mothership uh, and everything. It was Parliament Funkadelic. And I think uh, maybe Bar Caves was opening up for them and everything. And, uh, and Bootsy was the, the middle supporting that. So I went to the concert and then everybody in the place was standing up on the chairs in the concert venue and they were singing this chant. And I I didn't, I was trying to figure out what they were saying because I didn't know. And come to find out, I, I would listen, I started listening. and Then finally I got it. They were singing the chant to the Pinocchio theory. R-U-B-B-E-R. F-A-N-S, rubber fans, and Funkateers. Tears. I said, oh, this is dope. (laughs) It was so, you know, Bootsy was so powerful uh, with his songs and the sound and his persona, you know? And uh, so, I mean, it was, like I said, it was destined for me to be with Parliament Funkadelic. I mean, there's nobody on this planet that made the, the type of music, the sound that they created. I mean, from before, even before Bootsy got there, you know, Funkadelic had formed, you know what I mean? Uh, Parliament had formed and then into, morphed into Funkadelic. But, you know, when Bootsy came, I think it was around the uh, America Eats' Young album and stuff like that, um, you know, but Eddie Hazel and Tiki and and, Billy Nelson and all those guys—they, I mean, Bernie. Come on, me and Bernie co-wrote songs together. You know, I mean, it's—you know—it's unbelievable. You know, the, the rhythm and the musicianship that these guys had. You know.
1: Yeah, and not only on record, but I mean, I've mentioned on the show before, but when I saw them in '78, Rubber Band—I mean, I've never seen a tighter band. They just. Yeah. monster monster of uh monster rock tour uh bootzilla tour man whew. yeah and enchantment was on that bill uh,
0: yeah yeah enchantment was doing some shows with them then too you know what i'm saying <laughs> i didn't i didn't i did a few shows with enchantment but they would be closer to home i did detroit when they do that big show here uh I did cleveland with them i might be on show with dramatics i did a show with them in indiana and i played with four acts in one night, I was like the most valuable player. I played with uh, Enchantment that night, uh, The Spinners, Dramatics, and Dennis Edwards' Temptations. So I was on, and the only person I didn't play with was uh, Gerald and the uh, the Manhattans. I could have did their show, but I had to change clothes in between, you know, because I did those four acts all in one night. but uh, Bootsy.
1: What 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 was he like? You know, what do you think of Bootsy when you actually got to spend a little time with him? And
0: oh yeah, I really, I really like Bootsy. When I came involved with Bootsy, I wound up doing, you know, me and Boot wind up being together a lot. You know, we drove across country together. We drove up to New York, we would leave the stage and and he would have his Jeep pulled at the back of the stage, like at Capital Center in Landover, Maryland, and his la- his glasses would still be lit up and-, and him and I would come off the stage, get in the Jeep, full costume, and pull out through the parking lot, and I would turn his, his battery pack off for his glasses. Um, we, you know, and we, him and I, uh, would change our clothes on I 95, getting ready to go to New York, you know, take our costumes off, put our jeans on and stuff. It was just me and him riding, you know, to New York. And we had money. When we got to New York, we, he had like 10 grand. It is like I had 10 and nine. We go to the bank to put the money wired to the account. Uh, we, we uh, I used to stay at Bootsy's in Cincinnati when, because he didn't like to fly and he would call me to come down. And uh, Warner Brothers was giving him a big party in LA. And he wanted to take his mother, his sister, his nephew. And he had these four dogs and the dogs only knew certain people. So I had to go down to uh, Cincinnati and take care of the dogs, which was two great Danes, Zilla and Star. And champ the, uh, the German Shepherd and munching the sheepdog. And so I would stay at the house for two weeks, just me and the dogs, and I'd feed them and everything because they knew me. They were so big, I had to put on army uh, jackets, and fatigues, because when they jump up there, push you down there, you know, if you didn't stand up, you would be able to get pushed over by the dogs, you know, and they, so I, you know, me and Bootsy. Uh, when he was here in Detroit, uh, we became really, really good, really close, because he got a, a a townhouse here out by Metro Beach, where he didn't have to drive back and forth to Cincinnati, and I'm the only other person that had the keys. And actually, that's where we even started the Sweat Band album. Uh, me, Gary Shider, and, and Bootsy down in the basement of the townhouse you know, and start putting songs together, you know, like Freak to Freak and we do it all day long. But yeah, but we, we've driven to California together. Uh, and uh, yeah, we, we really, we really, I used to have a star base over my house in Detroit, you know, in the, in the case and stuff like that. So we go way back
1: was that sweat was the sweat band music intended to be that project or was it going to be a rubber band record yeah. or
0: well it it was it was intended well at that point um uh, the name rubber band was in 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 a kind of litigation thing it was found out that it was uh, uh, I think a uh, Country Western Band or something that had the name Rubber Band. Mm-hmm. So it was all kind of mixed up in there. And then so Bootsy came up with the, uh, the uh, concept of let's do, you know, sweat band. So, but the sweat band was actually a band. It was, it was uh, myself and Razor Sharp and Maceo. And uh, we were one of the acts that was going to uh, launch the Uncle Jam label which at that point, George wasn't, he wasn't trying to give away none of his ACE people to any other companies. You know, he was, he had groups on Atlantic, um, he had on Casablanca, he had Warner Brothers. And so the only other of the big three, the Warner Electra, Atlantic uh, thing, then he didn't have anything on Columbia. So he went to Columbia for the distribution deal for the label. You know, and uh, our our album Sweat Band, uh, Felipe Wynn's album, Jessica Cleave's album, and uh, Roger's album was supposed to come out on the uh, Uncle Jam label. Yeah. So do
1: you also get to spend much time with, uh, you know, Mudbone and- um,
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, What
1: about uh, Phelps or Catfish?
0: Yeah, I did. I've, uh, matter of fact, we all kept in touch even when everything when everything kind of disbanded. I talked to Mudbone last week, actually, uh, and I had talked to Cat Catfish before he passed and things like that. We would keep in touch, you know. So I did get to you know stay in touch. Mace, I haven't talked to in a while, uh, but me, I think me and Mudbone stay in touch the most because when I was on tour over in uh, Europe, uh, like two years ago, I go over there every two years with the Temptations and Four Tops and we do a big massive tour over there. He had talked to somebody from Amsterdam. Uh, no, it wasn't Amsterdam, it was England. And they were coming to the show and he told them that I would be there and they said, oh, we want to meet him. So. They came to the show and when uh, I was coming out the backstage uh, door and they were trying to ask security, could, could they get in touch with me and everything? And then they said, oh, there's Butch right there. And then I got to meet these people that that uh, Mudbone had talked to in they had So it was, it was really cool. So me and Bone, we stay in touch, man. Yeah. yeah. Nice.
1: So at that time, then, you know, how did you become more involved with some of the projects that George was more involved with?
0: Well, with George's projects, you know, I, I did The Brides, I did Parlette, um, and and see, within our organization in the P-Funk family, there were two percussionists. It was Larry Fatangelo and myself. So some of, the, some of the songs Larry would do some I would do, some we're on together. Uh, and and so Larry was more so Parliament Funkadelics percussions. Now more so Bootsies. Uh, what, what was
1: it was I was always wondering if it was more that Larry was more the West Coast guy and you were the like East Coast guy or
0: Oh no, no, no. Larry, Larry's from here too, Detroit. Okay. We're both here. Yeah, Larry's Detroit boy. But as far
1: as where they laid down the, the tracks, you know, I was wondering if it... Oh, uh, they laid them
0: down here. Uh, actually, all the stuff that Larry's on was done here, all the tracks I've done, I did here. Only other tracks I might have did some out of time was down in, in Miami at Coconuts when we were laying some tracks for the uh, this Buddha's Made for Funkin' album. But we did mostly everything here at United and... Uh, and some over at the disc, you know, which and sound sweet It's three studios, but the main studio is United and Larry, Larry's uh, Detroit as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: How do your styles differ? Would you say?
0: Uh Larry's a little bit more abstract player than I am. I'm more regimented than, than Larry, I would say. And, but we both know, We both definitely know sound. We both know how to do placement and we're like two solid players, you know, very, very, I mean, we are the players here in town now. Larry does sessions, uh, well, Larry plays with Kid Rock now uh, and he still does sessions and I do the same thing. I play with Four Tops and I still do a lot of sessions, you know, so. Yeah, but we were, we were studio musicians for real, you know. Yeah.
1: So what was it like working with George in the studio?
0: I like George because you never know what he's going to do. And that's spontaneous creativity is the reason why nobody can duplicate what Parliament Funkadelic has done. You know, is so spontaneous and it's so unique and is and it's so in character, you know, with uh, how George is like a magnet. People genuinely like him. When they meet George, they know he is he's special, totally special. And he, he hears things. I, I remember when we were in the uh, Everglades, okay? It was me, Bootsy, Ron Dunbar, uh, Larry Hatcher, which was a, another horn player. I brought Larry in when Rick Gardner had left the Horny Horns so he could be part of the Horny Horns uh, and George. We were all on this fanboat boat doing 60 miles an hour in the Everglades and uh, <laughs> the guy is the one that was uh, steering the boat and everything. And he took us to this little like inland-like island to uh, where he lives out there in the Everglades with his family. And so when we pulled up on the, on the dock in the pier, you could see the alligators and stuff laying out in the sun on the, on the little, little beach right there, a little sand. And we said, you live out here? He said, yeah, my whole family live out here. So we went in the hut where his wife and his kids and all of them make souvenirs and they make them out of the tree limbs and things out there in the nature. So George and myself, we bought these like carved knives like Jim Bowie knives (laughs) that they they made out there. And so when we left and then we went by the shore and I looked over in the water, I said, damn, look at all that live life. George said, live life, yeah. You know, you can't say anything around George because he'll pick up on it and, and, and it, it will get used. And so we got on the fanboat boat to go back to Miami, to the mainland. And we was on the boat, sword fighting with these knives and stuff like that, you know, so I mean, George, for him to come up with the mothership uh the concept of um, all the characters, you know sir nose, you know star child, you know, I never know what George is gonna do next, but I know musically he knows what he wants, and uh He'll he'll come in. He's not always he was um not too much always in the studio when I was in the studio, but he would come in and be listening to the tracks and stuff, you know. Like we would do, oh man, we did so much stuff. Uh, he would say, yeah, 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 you know. He would he would give the the seal of approval on what was going on, and he definitely was a hands on. Uh, Type of producer but he had all these talented people you know just a conglomerate of uh and i really liked the the latter part of the 70s i like the the earlier part of parliament and funkadelic but i definitely started liking it towards 1975 76 on up to you know like 78 79 you know i mean just he was a magnet of uh, pulling people in, and then he knew studio musicians too and and we were I, like i said i'm a, i was a studio musician, pulled into parliament Funkadelic, you know so he knows he knows uh what he wants did
1: did he ever um did he ever write down stuff that you saw, or did he just like take stuff into his brain and keep it there oh, he somehow? Just,
0: he just kicked it out of his brain. And and what really was so unique about him, you know, George, you know, coming from a a, a singing group, a five-man stand-up singing group, he knew harmonies, he knew how to stack those vocals, he knew he knew the, what what the finished project was the kind of sound like when, when he put all the vocals together. Um, I know Prince and people like that was like, how does he do this choir thing? How does he have all these vocals structured? You know, George hears that. I mean, it's, it's his, that's his signature trademark. I mean, I don't care what other acts, like it's been a lot of other acts that, that you know, were influenced by the Parliament Funkadelic sound, like uh, George Duke, for instance, Dookie Stook, stuff like that. That's that's like a spin-off of Bootsy or whatever. Uh, you had ADC Band, Long Stroke, you know, all of that was like influenced by Parliament Funkadelic, but none of those sounds that they, their sound is not, you know, they're not Parliament Funkadelic. Parliament Funkadelic is so unique and it will always be. And uh so, you know, and and it started a movement. It started that funk movement right there, you know. I mean, Al Hudson in one way, you know, I mean, people that were influenced by by Parliament Funkadelic. I mean, even Ray Parker, we he did uh what? For those who like to groove, you know what I'm saying. Come on, come yeah. On. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, the
1: one nation influencers. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, so we all, uh, you know, we get to listen to people, and we know what influenced them, and they they tried to they tried to get as close as they could get to that Parliament Funkadelic, but no other entity can touch that. You know. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, especially the Gap Band. I mean, it goes on. oh on, yeah,
0: Gap but, Band. I mean, they took our horn line. You know, come on, man, that was that was Bootsy Rubber Band horn line. You know, and they put it on their song. You know, come on, <laughs> that was the horny horns that came up with that. You know, and
1: and they ran the uh, flashlight moog into the ground.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. See, so that's what I'm saying. You know, I mean, I respect all those acts. I mean, they did. I mean, even the. The, the guy that wrote the two biggest songs with Gap Band, uh, Raymond Calhoun, Raymond used to be, Raymond's a drummer from Washington DC and we knew each other back then and he couldn't get any work playing drums so he went out as a percussionist with the Manhattans and I was on tour with the Dramatics and the Manhattans, they rented him some gear. And and see, and then all my gear would be set up because at that time with the dramatics, I was bringing out my own gear, not using any rental because I'm going to sound like like I do on the records. Uh, and I told Raymond, he, I said, don't play that stuff, man. You can play my, my setup. And so Raymond was with the Manhattans and when they got to the West Coast, he wound up staying there and he wound up writing writing outstanding and yearning for your love in the hotel room. And those are two biggest gap band songs. So me and Raymond are like this to this day. You know, I mean this uh, you know we're we're around everything. I I took the brides out on on tour with me with was not was as well, you know, when everything kind of, kind of like not disbanded, but everything was at a standstill. Um when I left from Sweat Band, I went out on tour with Was Not Was. And so I had Lynn and Dawn come and be the girls. And so we were all Was Not Was. We did all the uh, in stores, the radio uh, interviews. Um, I even did the rap on Woodward Squeaks, Out Come the Freaks, you know. So I did percussion on their albums and, and we did their very their first tour. We did uh, the Was Not Was tour, yeah.
1: Yeah, brought them some real funk, kind of like the Talking Heads.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, and I, I met them too. I knew Tina Wyman and all of them, and I met them through Bernie, you know, because Bernie, uh, I had Bernie, uh, he was out with the Talking Heads, and he came to Detroit, and then I was working on a project for this, this company, uh, uh, Tam Productions, at SoundSuite and it's a song called Stereo Radio that I produced. And I did the drums on there and percussion and the talk box. I had Bernie playing keys on there and Randy Jacobs from Was Not Was playing guitar. So yeah, that song, you know, it was it was like like a little local hit record called Stereo Radio. And and Bernie's got writer credits on there with me and Randy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: What can you tell viewers about Bernie?
0: Um, well, Bernie was my favorite. I'd have to just say Bernie was my favorite. His approach, which he came from a classical background, and his, he reminded me of how I am too when it comes to sound. Um, he would do things with the mini move that nobody can do to this day. Um, and then he had the, the ARP String Ensemble. He had the ARP Odyssey. He had all the ARP keyboards and, his, and the, the Hornet the D6 Clavinet. Um, and Bernie, you know, like he's, well, he's, he's the one playing organ on a, we do it all day long, you know? So he's, his approach with playing was real rhythmically, uh, rhythm. Uh, and sound, and no one can play like Bernie Worrell. He's like one of a one of a kind on the planet. Um, I remember when Junie came to work with us. Junie's playing on, a, you know, One Nation, and Knee Deep. that's when you heard the songs have a little more chords in it and stuff like that on the keyboards. That's when Junie came, you know, and Bernie's on them as as well. The two of them are on there. You know it's I mean it's so much we've done you know like people don't even know that's Bootsy playing drums on One Nation and uh, knee deep and stuff like that you know any drums that sound like a marching band type of uh, regiment Bootsy did those drums so Bootsy is so talented on guitar and drums and bass you know absolutely yeah but Bernie I remember we we ate dinner at the house, me, Bernie, Junie, Bootsy in New Jersey, in uh, Plainfield, you know. We always would get together, you know, when we could, you know, just try to take a day or something like that for ourselves, you know. Yeah.
1: So I have a list here. I just want people to know the records that you're credited on. And if if a P-Funk record is not mentioned, feel free to add that. Oh, okay. Um, but Glory Hell the Stupid, Parliament, Invasion yep. of the Booty Snatchers, Parlette. Yeah. Uh, Never Buy Texas from a Cowboy, The Brides. Yes. Uh, Blow by Blow Backwards, Horny Horns.
0: Yeah.
1: Play Me or Trade Me, Parlette. Yes. The Sweatband, as you mentioned. Right. Uh, Ultra Wave, Booty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, I think. That so might be it for P Funk. You you mentioned maybe uh, you're also on this Yeah. Boot yeah.
0: was made for Punkin'. Um, yeah, I did uh, what? Play Me or Trade Me, Harlot. Yeah. And Invasion of the Booty Snatchers. Yeah. I did both of those albums too. Yeah. And Felipe Wynn, Nguyen, Felipe Wynn's album as well. Uh, you know uh, we did a few things for the the zap album. The first one, um, Bootsy, I remember when we brought zapping them up from Ohio, you know, (laughs) and they worked two years on that album before that album came out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a shame how that ended up working out, but, um, yeah, that, on, the, on the P-funk side
0: for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, you know, Roger was he was signed to Uncle Jam. his, his album, uh, many Faces of Roger was supposed to have be been out on, on the Uncle Jam label. I mean he had his deal. I had uh, you know, my deal, you know, which me, Mason Razor had our deal. Jessica had her deal, and Felipe had his deal. and the Roger album was supposed to come out on Uncle Jam and see a lot of things I kind of know how that happened uh, you know see Roger was not signed to Warner Brothers and the other the other brothers were uh, three you know and they would come out to the shows and they saw this Roger doing everything you know so they, they got in his ear and he you know he just went on and and did what he wanted to do. I know he's he's mentioned to me one time, he said, man, George taking too long to put out my album, you know? Uh, I said, well, you know, just go on, you know, go on and talk to him or whatever, you know? But I think he had already had in his mind what he what he was going to do. Uh, and Warner Brothers had in their mind what they was wanted to do as well, you know? Uh, I remember when I first heard, uh, the music for uh, Roger's album. We were standing in front of the uh, Regal Theater in Chicago. We were getting ready to do a show. And uh, he uh, was playing the cassette. We would get these white cassettes from United and he was playing the cassette on a boom box and we s- sitting up there listening. I'm hearing, you know, so rough, so tough. and. And things of that nature. And then all of a sudden, this young kid about fourteen came up and snatched the radio out of Roger's hand, and ran across the street into this. It, it was like houses over there, you know, vacant field and all of that. So we started chasing after the the fourteen year old to get the, the, you know, to get the uh, boombox back. So I'm I'm like I'm like six two. I'm tall. I'm I'm right behind him and he could tell i was getting closer and he threw the radio down and uh, so we got the radio back and we didn't care about the radio it was just to, that the album hadn't got released yet you know so <laughs> it's there's so many stories man we we've been we've been, been there with a lot
1: did did you go out on tour with P-Funk at all
0: uh in no the- i would i would be out on on tour with P-Funk, I worked with Bootsy's Rubber Band, but I never would play with P-Funk. Uh, frat uh, would be playing with P-Funk and I would watch their show, you know, and stuff like that. And, uh, but I never did any live concerts with P-Funk uh, until later. I might do a little guest appearance and George and them would come in town here at the Fox and I would go down to the show and I would play on one song or whatever. Uh, they did a uh, festival we have here in Detroit called Arts, Beats and Eats. And I was doing something down at the uh, downtown at the uh, Heart Plaza. I did a little show earlier and I had a set of drums with me and my oldest son, DJ Los. He said, Dad, i want to go see Uncle George. So I said, well, okay, cool, we'll go And we went to uh, Arts, Beats and Eats and I wound up playing, you know, on stage with him there. But I never have really played on any of those concert shows with P-Funk. Yeah.
1: Did you get to spend much time with uh, Gary Scheider?
0: Oh, yeah. Me and Gary, man, we like I said, we even started to. The sweat Band album, Bootsy, myself, and Gary out at the townhouse. And Gary uh in latter years, uh when I would come to uh I would come to see P Funk on the West Coast. I was out there with uh with uh Def Records at that point. And uh uh me and Gary would get together backstage and stuff like that. They, I, I remember they did the House of Blues on Sunset, and I was with Dre. I came to the show. It was me, D- uh, Dre, DJ Quick, and then they pulled me up on stage to play the Congress they had up there, you know. And uh, so I would always try and go see a P Funk show if I was in town, wherever they, you know, if they were performing you know, but me and Gary, we, we got along real good, you know. Uh, Gary was one of my favorites. Uh, he was so talented vocally and like an MD as well. And, uh, and guitar, nobody plays rhythm guitar like Gary Scheider, you know. So he's, uh, yeah, he's one of my favorites. Um, yeah, he's gone, there's so many of us gone, you know.
1: Yeah, the past 10 years have been rough.
0: Yeah, Um, I mean, yeah, every time I turn around, Ron Ford, I got pictures with Ron, you know, and then Ron Dunbar, I got pictures with Ron, you know, I knew Ron Dunbar. Boogie, yeah. Yeah, see, I knew Ron Dunbar before he came to work over uh, with Parliament Funkadelic and Invictus Records, you know, because I did the, uh, I did for Holland Dozier, Holland, uh, Mavis Staples, Staples album. That they had over there, and I met Ron then, and then when he came over to to, uh, to Parliament, you know, I worked on his songs that uh, that he wrote for Parliament, and then uh, Agony of Defeat for Parliament, you know. So we we all connected. We're really connected. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't think I didn't say Trombipulation. Are you on that one too?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I did. Uh, I know I did what less is less. Play houses on that album, yeah. I'm on that, yeah, album well. yeah. yeah. I did a, about two or three songs on there, I think. Yeah. yeah.
1: What What might be the one or two P funk songs that you're most proud of, or that you really like? You know what you were able to do on them.
0: Well, I like uh, theme from the black hole. Um, I did theme from the black hole. I like. let me see what else i'm on i, I, I like Les playhouse uh uh let me see what else I'm on the glory house stupid album let me think of the songs that's on
1: well, black holes on there
0: oh okay black um, holes on there big bang theory's uh, on there yeah yeah uh let me see uh i, I well I really like the brides I did party up in here see not only did I do uh the uh acoustical percussion stuff but i did electronic percussion as well like the syndromes and things of that nature bring bring them into another age and stuff at the end and stuff like that so i got to do hand claps you know i would like these boards man i man i didn't do so much stuff
1: you got to work with some of the newer guys on that like skied and
0: oh yeah. yeah yeah ski and uh let me see. Well, uh, well, Dennis and them, all of them were, they came to be the brides band, you know? And I was there when, when Jerome Braley left and Tyrone Lampkin and Dennis wound up becoming the drummer for, for P-Funk, you know what I'm saying? But he, he, he came in, he was supposed to be there with the brides. And me and Dennis ran into each other over in uh, Europe in uh, Montreux uh one year he was with a group i uh, think a group called side effects or something and i was with earl clue you know we was on the montreal jazz festival and stuff so we got a chance to see each other then you know yeah
1: uh, earl klug is uh a lot different from pfon
0: oh absolutely yeah, absolutely <laughs> yeah earl i did the hollywood bowl with earl i did uh let me see what else did i do with Earl? oh uh Montreux Jazz Festival in Montreux, Switzerland. I did uh he did a, a simulcast concert here from University of Michigan for Volkswagen and and they they simulcasted throughout the whole country. So I did those things with Earl. Yeah. Usually I wound up doing big concerts. Yeah.
1: So what what was uh, Michael Henderson like back in that era when you were doing those things for him?
0: Yeah, Michael Michael is a, I mean, Michael can play bass. As everybody know, Michael played with Miles Davis and you you know, if you play with Miles, you could play. And then Michael could sing and he could uh, you know, he could produce. So he did My Starship, you know, a, a lot of songs, you know, uh, with a uh, uh, what's the guy that... Uh, Norman Connors. Norman Connors, yeah. Mm-hmm. He did those with Norman Norman Connors. And then he wound up getting his own record deals, you know. And so he did Wide Receiver and all that. Michael was fucking... He did the dramatics. He wrote Be My Girl, you know. So he's on dramatic albums with me. And Michael is a great bass player. He can play. Yeah. He's good. And uh, we all just create music together all the time you know we run into each other he might see me and like but can you do my album or can you do this you know so it's, it's a camaraderie with all of us with that
1: did, did he ever tell you hey i want to get kind of some of that p-funk type flavor on this
0: well he, you know he told me he said yeah but i want you to uh do those big booty claps because you know i do those hand claps and all of that stuff and and i did that on on songs for him, you know, and so, and he he would, everybody, I think everybody wanted the flavor of what we were doing with Parliament Funkadelic, you know, because they, I mean, I remember when Parliament Funkadelic, when we was on tour in Billboard magazine, they would have the number one slot, the number two slot, and three, four, five of the box-off sellouts And we'd be competing with with ourselves to get to number one. No one could get up there. You know, whatever act was on tour. I mean, I wouldn't care if it was a white act, a big act, you know. I mean, if Parliament and Funkadelic was on tour, we had those slots. (laughs) So, you know, and everybody wanted that flavor, man. George was, uh, you know, I've never seen anything like it. I don't think we'll see anything like it again. And I, you know, and in, in, in Bootsy, Bootsy is a, like, that's a phenomenon right there. You know, he was with James Brown, come on, man. You know, his first, when he was like 17, 18, he with James Brown and him and Catfish, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I, uh, When I formed, when we formed Sweat Band, Bootsy put in the the live band, where he he brought Tiger to play drums, and Mike Evans, and Kevin Oliver. And I brought David Spradley in, that's how David became part of Parliament Funkadelic. I brought David in to play keyboards with Razor, and I brought uh, Larry Hatcher, uh, he played trumpet and sang. So, when we formed all of that together, uh, and Mace—I mean, uh, I, can't, I can't say nothing no more about these guys. They're the greatest man, you know.
1: Yeah, they're all superstars. I yeah, mean, are, yeah, if not if not in yeah. fame, but in what they oh, did yeah, and but what we do. Them. Yeah, there's much more to this great Truth and Rhythm interview. Just continue on to the next part of the episode. Also, be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. And become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon, or consider donating at funkandstuff.net. Thank you very much.